Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Suave. I've been in my bag for a while, I'm invincible Story of a young boss, grinding shit critical Calling on my bros one time, cause you special I had some hood dreams of right rounds for my mentor Every target that I shoot is on point like a pencil Different road change relationships, I'm so sorry Came up from the trenches and I made it, I say hardly Bet Online is your number one source for all of your betting needs Get the latest odds, lines, and matchup reports For baseball, boxing, golf, and more BetOnline continues to be the fastest and easiest way to place your wagers, including live betting and your favorite casino and card games available to play right from your phone. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and get in on the action. Remember to use promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, where the game starts. Alrighty, guys, we are back with another episode of the What's In Your Bag podcast presented by Bet Online. As always, I'm your host, Andrew Robinson. And before we introduce our special, special guest for the day, you guys know we got to get the business out of the way. So I'm going to need you guys to just stop what you're doing. If you're watching this on YouTube, go ahead and tap that subscribe button. Give us a thumbs up. It goes a long, long way. If you're in this on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, uh, go ahead and give us a five-star rating. Tell a friend to tell a friend. Um, you know, we're in the middle of our creative series right now. We have another wonderful guest that we're super excited about. Um, so if you guys are enjoying this, this creative series so far, make sure you guys are, are subscribing and following along our journey. That was my guy, Pull Up Tay, on the intro. It's going to be him as well on the outro. One of the hottest up-and-coming artists out of DMV. So make sure you guys go stream his music, man. Show my guy some love. But without further ado, um, this is somebody who we are super, super excited to have on today, guys. Um, this is somebody who does extensive work uh, in the fitness of basketball space, digital media, digital marketing, kind of a little, little bit of everything, you know? So she's somebody who um, we're super excited to, to have one. I'm super excited to talk with today. Um, another journalism alum. So I'm, I'm glad to be able to kind of talk to somebody who kind of has a similar background as me, but uh, we are pleased to be joined by none other than Jessica Slate, the founder of the Slate House. And Jessica, thank you for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm glad I could uh, make it. And, you know, I'm excited to talk to you and just talk about, you know, everything that's going on. So this is fun. No doubt, no doubt, no doubt. Now, before we kind of get into it, um, just how is the all season right now? I know I feel like for, for the NBA, it's kind of the all season, but I feel like for somebody like yourself who's working in the social media and digital marketing, there isn't really much of an off season for you, right? So just, you know, talk about just kind of what, what you're up to. How's the summer going right now? Just, you know, how, how does life hit? Yeah, no, off-season for me actually ends up getting a lot busier because that's when the players are available. They can start working on all of their side stuff. They obviously still have training going on and vacations in there, but it's a lot of um, executing, you know, events for their charities or putting on camps. Um, if they're going to different events, we have to get digital media for that. So it definitely ramps up once they kind of have the freedom to travel where they want. Um, so like, you know, this past month and a half I've probably been to Charlotte like three times for different events for different players so um the cross-country travel is is ramping up but once season comes back it actually starts to slow down and I can kind of do almost everything remotely um especially with a lot of the stuff I do is media related so I can coordinate with teams and um and really rely on them to get a lot of the content for me so um there's a lot more synergy during the regular season nice nice uh what would you say has been the 
your your favorite thing that you've done so far this summer, whether it be an event, uh, activity, kind of what has been, if you, if you have anything that kind of sticks out from the summer so far? Um, I mean, it's the second year I've done it, so I, I kind of anticipated that it would be my favorite thing, but we do Tory Craig Day down in Great Falls, South Carolina, and we put on a three-on-three tournament with local players um, for cash prize. There's barbecues, there's food trucks, balance houses, um, raffles, everything. It's just, you know, a really cool event for the community to come out, uh, get to interact with Tori. Um, he's from there. So it was really important to him that he, you know, didn't find success and then just drop off, but that, that you know, he kept coming back and, and being a part of the community that helped him get there. So um, it's really cool for me to, to get to be a part of that. And then of course, putting on the tournament is a lot of fun and getting to see three on three and um, out at the park. And so it's just a lot of fun. So um, that went really well again this year. And I look forward to it every year, but um, it's fun to to get out down in South Carolina and and see you know what everyone's up to. That's dope. That's dope. Now, were you at summer league this year? I was. Yeah. I would advise that we've got a couple of folks on the podcast that were out there, um, and they've all had their kind of different accounts of just whether they were out there for you know three, two or three days, or whether they're out there for the whole you know eight nine days, like just how how it went out there. So, what was your experience like uh, from from this past summer league? I know it's kind of like the NBA convention as far as like networking yeah. and things like that. So, uh, you know, what was your experience this year? Yeah. I mean, for me, it's definitely, it's a lot less work than people who maybe work for agencies and they have to monitor their rookies or teams that where they, you know, have games every other day. Um, for me, it's more, more like marketing, um, networking. Cause I can't get like a billboard to reach my clients. So stuff like this, where, um, I'm available. I'm around. I can also help the guys that I already work for. Um, that's kind of the point of me going. So I'd originally planned to go for four days. And then um, one of my clients was like, Hey, you can, you can stay another day. And then someone was like, Oh, you got to stay one more day. And then I drove back to Phoenix, which it's like five hours. It's not a terrible drive. It's, you know, straight shot. Um, drove back to Phoenix one night the next morning I left to go back to Vegas because someone had already been like, Hey, we need to get you back for WNBA all-star and start to do some WNBA stuff. And, um, you know, of course you can start to combine more events and, and different networking things, um, when you get back. So I had planned to go for four days. I think I ended up being there closer to nine, but, um, you know, no complaints by any means. There's much worse things I could be doing than watching, you know, cheap professional basketball at a high level so it's fun thanks love it i love it how was the uh wmb all-star game i heard it was an awesome environment out there in vegas this year for the for the all-star game yeah it was so much fun there i've never seen that much like commitment by celebrities and athletes and um especially nba players to like be there be courtside um involved in the game i think the wnba did a really good job of making it both entertaining and competitive Um, and I had been to previous all-star games that, you know, if I had no context, no idea, I would have thought it was a regular season game. It's just how low energy it was. Um, so this year was like, I was really impressed and just, you know, happy for women's basketball to be getting the platform and the the attention it deserves from so many high profile people. That's dope. That's dope. Now, I was supposed to have my co-host on here, Alexis, with us. Uh, she couldn't make it. She had to run, but she actually does digital, uh, social and digital for the Phoenix Mercury. So um, uh-huh. I know that, you know, obviously you you being in Phoenix, uh, the Mercury, you know, have a lot going on right now with obviously DT and, and BG out there. 
Um, mm-hmm. I, I just the growth of the WNBA right now is 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 super amazing to see. Obviously, the, the New York Liberty, you know, got the thing going on. The Aces are great. Um, but just how you know, have you? I know you've probably been to a bunch of Mercury games, but how how uh, cool did it kind of be in Phoenix and get to watch you know Tarasi and BG out there, kind of in your hometown? It's fun, and I've worked with um, the WNBA. I worked for the Connecticut Sun, so it's it's fun to be kind of on both sides of it, where you're working for the team and you can see internally just the efforts that the teams, the players, the league are making to continue to grow the sport. But then to now have the opportunity to be in Phoenix and see. Um, you know, pretty lifetime quality players. Obviously, Tarasi's for sure Hall of Fame. Um, you've got BG and that whole story, and just all the the passion that the Phoenix fans have, and you know the community. Um, it's fun too because I'm going to Suns games, so I can kind of compare them, and they're obviously both fun, and it's a very much a different game. But the fans of the Mercury games are so much more committed and and entertaining to me that um really any chance I can get to go to a Mercury game um I love it that's awesome um I don't know if you know Robin Brown but she used to work for the mm-hmm. as well she's um, yeah yeah she went to Quinnipiac with me we were we were classmates in the journalism program that's my girl so I got to give her a shout out on here as well she's such a small world yeah small world small world man we were uh back in our her master's class together a couple of years ago so shout out Robin man um that's no, Robin's no, she literally is. She literally is. Um, so kind of want to get into your, your personal story and your your personal kind of journey into this um digital digital media space and concierge stuff. Um I feel like for me, right? I think it's it's so cool for me to be able to kind of have these type of conversations. The week before last we had uh Juju Adams on here and she was talking about kind of her transition into kind of you know going to USC and majoring in broadcast and kind of like thinking that like, you know, we were always taught in, in school, right? If you're trying to pursue broadcast journalism and you're trying to make it right. Like you got to, you know, start a small market and, you know, kind of yeah. work your way up the ladder. And then, you know, maybe one day you'll be able to kind of get to ESPN and whatever case may be. Right. Like that was kind of always my, yeah. the path that was laid out. And I've seen people who came before me who are kind of on that path now. And one of the things that she talked about was obviously she's working for GQ sports now and she does stuff with the NBA on social. And she kind of talked about how social media has kind of expedited the, uh, kind of opportunities that you can have in this kind of space. So I kind of yeah. want to talk about for you, your journey in broadcast and kind of how you got to be in a space now to where um, it's a lot different than that traditional broadcast look and feel, you know, though you're still doing digital media, you're also doing like management and you're kind of doing a little bit of everything. So talk about that journey kind of for you um, and what that looked like along the way. Yeah. So I definitely, I started with journalism and my, you know, all my experience through college, I was working with Longhorn Network for ESPN, um, Fox Sports, doing play-by-play and and sideline reporting and stuff for different sporting events. So I was very committed kind of to that ESPN Sports Center path. Um, And then my very first job out of college, I was doing videography. So I had the opportunity to kind of step back and learn more technical skills. practice more production that I learned from ESPN and then eventually went to Phoenix to try and commit more to sports just make sure I stayed on that sports path specifically and did more play-by-play and um, analysis but had the opportunity to start doing some more social media Um, and kind of at that point teams and athletic departments had social media but it was not like a full effort type. It was very different. They had interns making graphics on Canva. There was no 
um, look and feel books or, you know, any, anything streamlined. Um, so I, you know, had the opportunity to start building kind of some of that stuff for some of these smaller athletic departments. And I really kind of enjoyed the opportunity to showcase the athletes and not either just talk about them or be me versus them when it's reporting. Um, so slowly just did a little bit more of the behind the scenes stuff. I ended up working with the Suns as their in arena host. So it was still kind of the in front of the camera type of thing, but on a different end where it's not analysis and, and not reporting. So it was real important to me to try and take as many different opportunities to kind of be a utility player and not just stuck in that like ladder that they tell you about for journalism. Um, I was more, more worried about like getting to the top of the ladder and only having one skill and like not liking it when I get there. So at least if it, it might take me longer if I'm kind of zigzagging, but I'll have all these different skills by the time I get there that I can kind of be more selective. Um, and it really has, it's worked out that way. Um, I ended up working with Connecticut Sun doing all their social media, um, which was, you know, an unimaginable learning experience and just so much fun to, to get to be creative again with like Robin and the women's basketball and what the NBA is trying to do is during um, the COVID, you know, 2020 with bubble and players all over the place, all kinds of different things going on. So just the more I worked behind the scenes, the more I liked kind of creating the opportunities to showcase the athletes with messages and content that was driven by them. And that's what ended up um, motivating me to start my own business and do it independently was I'd had at that point, almost a decade worth of experience doing kind of anything communications related. We're shooting the video, we're editing the video, we're doing the interviews, um, coordinating it all, making graphics. If there's something you can do in a social or like broadcast department, I've probably done it at this point. Um, so I just decided I'd like to take all of those skills and give kind of athletes their own communications and like social media department so that they can showcase their foundations and their basketball careers and their families and whatever they're passionate about. Give them the tools to one, not have to be distracted when they step away from basketball or football or whatever it may be, but um, that they can also do it authentically and they don't really have to modify it based on a generic marketing plan that a lot of agencies end up having to push out just based on qu uh, quantity of clients. So try to keep it kind of um, small and, and um, intimate, but again, having just years of experience of running entire team social departments and stuff, I wanted to give the guys that, that opportunity. So it's been a lot of fun. Um, and, you know, constantly evolving beyond what I had hoped to do with the company to, to where we are. It's now gotten much, much broader as far as responsibilities I take on. Yeah. yeah. I think that was kind of important that you said that, because like, I feel like we all have a vision of, all right, this is what I want my career to look like. And we have that um, in our minds. So when you kind of look back at it, at, you know, now you said you have almost 10 years of experience. Um, how do you reflect on where you thought you would have been? versus where you are now do you prefer one or the other do you, are you glad that like your, that kind of goal of that vision turned out differently um you know how do you kind of reflect back on that and where you are now and how things turned out versus maybe all right 
if I would have taken this path, maybe I would have been a little further. Maybe I would have been a little far, more far behind. Like, how do you, how do you kind of evaluate that at this stage? Yeah, I think, I mean, I probably would have had a much more stable situation as far as like, you know, exactly how much money you're going to make per year. You can live in one place. You can have a focus on a goal. Um, but that wasn't super important to me. I think where I'm at now, I'm making more of an impact than I would have in broadcast. Um, at least in my case, it's, it was a lot of thinking about myself. Like, how am I going to look? How is this going to help my career? How am I, um, you know, how's the story going to be part of my trajectory? And it was a lot about me. And I just feel like naturally when you are on camera and you're the center of things that you kind of have to think about a lot of that stuff. Um, I really appreciate that, you know, most of my day now is thinking about other people, thinking about the people they care about. Um, foundations are doing a lot of charity work. So helping people put on camps and academic programs and scholarships. Um, it just feels a lot more rewarding at the end of the day. And for only really in the grand scheme of things, just getting started. Um, I think even long-term, I'm going to reflect back and really appreciate the career path I took much more just because I feel like I'm going to end up doing a lot more hands-on um, helpfulness and, and making an impact and stuff that I probably wouldn't have done had I stayed in broadcast because I probably just would have been a little bit more focused internally than externally. Yeah, yeah, for sure. What kind of advice would you give to somebody else who maybe sitting in that classroom like we were in college and they had the idea of, you know, what their career is going to look like? Because I feel like for me, I feel like it's so refreshing to kind of see people like yourself and people like Juju who have kind of sat in the same classrooms that I've had and made those reels and had to edit together a news package and kind of to see what you guys have, have been able to do uh, now, right? And all different type of avenues. Because even for somebody like myself who's kind of trying to navigate that space, I'm playing basketball, but I have this journalism degree and I have a podcast, but I kind of like fashion and I like, I like a lot of different things. So I feel like I have a different... I guess, viewpoint for how I want my post-basketball career to look. So I think it's always inspirational for me to be able mm -hmm. to make stories like this one um, to where it kind of turns out differently. But I think what you, what you guys do is is awesome and being able to work with professional athletes and, you know, being in the type of spaces that you guys are in. So what advice would you give to somebody else who is maybe sitting in that, you know, JRA one-on-one class right now and has a, a view on what their uh, future is going to be? I think um, it is important to not get so focused on like a five-year plan or a 10-year plan because that was very much me and like you were saying like in journalism they're just drilling at you like you need to go start in midfield Texas and report high school football and then eventually you'll get to Waco and then eventually you might get to Dallas but if you wanted to get to New York or LA like you're going to be 45 and um I think it's easy to get locked into like, that's the blueprint that's been set for me. And that's what I have to do. But there's so many tools and ways for people to create content, to showcase themselves, to get experience that aren't in that original blueprint. And I think if you can just get past maybe the nerves or the fear of stepping out of kind of that mainstream track you can really create a lot of opportunities and experiences for yourself that you might not have had otherwise. Um, and as, you know, risky or as much as it takes believing in yourself to do that, it to me has, you know, paid off and it's worth it in the long run. 
for sure. Great advice, you know, for sure. I'm, I'm going to take my mental notes as well, you know. Um, so kind of changing gears a little bit to your work with uh, the Slate House, right? Kind of, you mentioned on, on a previous podcast that kind of Andre, Andre Drummond was kind of the first person who kind of really, you know, saw the vision and believed in what you were doing and stuff like that and kind of helped you kind of catapult you into this into this space. And, you know, since then, I know you work with guys like, you know, Grant Williams and T-Mac and all that kind of stuff. So talk about what do you think, because I feel like, again, when it comes to NBA players, right, they don't let everybody into their circle. You know what I'm saying? You have to be a certain type of person to be able to be around NBA players. Um, so what do you think allowed you to, or Andre Jarman, for example, to trust you to be able to be like, you know, Jessica, I want you to be on my team. I want You're somebody who I want to continue this relationship with because there's probably somebody who's watching this podcast and it's like, yo, you know, I want to be where Jessica's at. I want to do what she's doing, work, work, work with players, right? But it's easier said than done to be able to get these guys who have these type of platforms and uh, type of money to be able to trust you to either welcome you into their circle. So um, what would you say was, I guess, something that kind of helped you, you know, be able to, I guess, gain these guys' trust initially? Yeah, I think, I mean, that's definitely a great question for Andre because I would love to know. But he, <laughs> um, I think part of it was consistency. So in in my kind of um, experience in when we were negotiating and kind of pitching me working with him, because at that point it was kind of like, hey, I, I work for a team. I'm interested in starting this company. Um, I want to be very upfront with you that like, in order for me to work with you, I'm taking this big risk of quitting my full-time, you know, stable job. Um, I'm confident that I can do that, but I just want you to know, like, I need the same type of commitment from you. And he had no problem with that. And I'm sure he probably appreciated that I wasn't, um, you know, light about it, that I was like, Hey, I'm, I'm taking what you're interested in seriously and like really committing to it. Um, cause we knew he, he wanted to start a clothing line and, and do all these different creative things outside of basketball. And so I do think part of that was, was huge. And in, in that he saw my commitment to what I was trying to do and, and the passion of it. Um, and I think consistency is probably big. I had worked in sports, um, in a bunch of different roles up until that point. And my character and the intangible stuff, um, was really important to me up until, I mean, still is my priority. And I think they, they're not typically going to be looking for the most, um, you know, searching through for the most technical skills. If they want a photographer to come to their practices, if they see one person on Instagram and they like their photos, they're not going to start doing a compare and contrast of 45 other photographers. They're like, I like this guy. I want this guy. And they have the means to make that happen. And so then it comes into like, well, if I ask people about you, what will they say? Are they going to say like, oh, you're nice or you're reliable. You show up on time. Um, you know, you are discreet. You're not posting all their behind the scenes lives or posting the location of them and risking their safety, stuff like that. Um, stuff that again, isn't the skill. It doesn't make or break how well I am at doing social media or content creation, but it is a really important aspect for this specific type of social media role versus if you worked for an agency and you did marketing for clothing or something, there's, there's different um, interpersonal skills that come with it. And I think, again, we'd have to ask Andre, but I do know that that was always a big priority to me that I wanted to be 
reliable, dependable, and somebody that they could trust with their ideas and kind of their safe spaces outside of sports that they didn't have to worry about me um, impacting that in a negative way. And I think that's the stuff that's going to be important when they're looking to hire, you know, personally onto their own teams um, versus just the technical skills. Because you could have all the technical skills in the world, but if you're risking, you know, their safety or their privacy, um, it's not really going to matter at the end of the day how good you are at something. That's a good point. That's a great point. I feel like being able to protect uh, and I guess value somebody else's privacy and space, you know, even or sometimes even more so than your own when you're dealing with players like that is, is super important. Oh, totally. Um, so and again, I want to preface this question by saying I don't want to count your pockets. So I'm not asking you to say or anything like that, but something <laughs> I always wondered was like, you know, you mentioned just now that you had a kind of a stable job you were working in and you just kind of took a leap of faith to start this venture to Slay House and work with Andre, right? So I want to talk to you about kind of like at the end of the day, you still have to support yourself, right? So when you're working with yeah. these people, it's like, how does the conversation work? Is it like a freelance type of thing where, okay, I handle this task and you do this? Um, are you a part of a guy like, for example, Andre J. Jarman? Like, are you on, like, his team with where he's paying you a salary? Like, how does this type of stuff work when it comes to, you know, financially co compensating yourself and being able to make a living when you're dealing with uh, athletes in this in this space? Yeah, I, I'll, I'll preface it by saying... Um, I don't want to shatter any illusion that social media in any role is, you know, going to be the most high paying thing in the world. I think if I was in this for money, I would have gone to law school or something. But um, I, I try to create as much stability as possible. So most of my, all of my full-time clients are on like a contract basis. Easiest way, like I usually describe it is like a gym membership. So they pay me you know, we're deciding how much work I plan to do, what that might look like. Um, you know, they have access to me because it's not a regular agency. Like I get calls at 3 a.m. I get calls at 6 a.m. Um, I'm traveling all the time. So they they get a different type of schedule out of me that would be hard to manage if I was doing hourly. Um, I don't want to keep track of hours. I don't want them to be stressed. Like every time we call her, she's like counting numbers. Um, I want them to be able to, you know, contact me as much as possible. Um, so I set up like a monthly, again, like a membership, um, same concept as a salary where I'm just not really looking at the, the annual number. Um, I'm more concerned with like how much work I'm doing per month. And that's the number we figure out. Um, and it's set up on a month to month basis, standard contract, you know, either one of us wants to terminate it there's 14 days or whatever um so that gives me my consistency and that I know like these clients are locked in for monthly like first of the month I get the money that's paying bills that's you know keeping me alive and then other projects will also be more like a freelance model so typically with events I'll do like Super Bowl Fiesta Bowl um different sporting events that will be more short term but again i just was never someone that liked to do hourly cuz i i know i'm going to work as many hours as i need to do the job properly and i don't want stuff i love i'm like if it takes me 8 hours and sometimes i'm going to stop and watch tiktoks while i'm editing i don't know so yeah. it's it's going to get done but 
if I were to count the exact hours I'm sitting there doing something, it's probably not efficient for the company or the player. And I don't want to be taking advantage of them because I appreciate these opportunities and there's that level of trust. And so even with events, I'll kind of come up with a, a flat number of like, okay, we know that I'm going to have to cover this many practices, this many media appearances, do this many interviews and kind of what the deliverables for that will be. We need to edit six different TikToks. We need to get this many photos and do this many posts in a week and then, you know, negotiate with them like, okay, well, that's worth, I don't even know, a thousand dollars and that covers the whole week. And then they're not worried about like, Hey, we need you to go to this, or we don't need you to go to this. It's just the same rate, no matter what. And I can focus on working and not like counting numbers the whole time. Um, and it's, I mean, it's worked for me so far, so I like it. I don't like having to think about like, oh, it's $25 an hour or something. Um, and I'll do small stuff too, where it's even just with like clients, they might need a one-time, what's a good example? Um, if someone gets like traded, helping them pack and move, like that's like two days of my life, just packing and moving. And then like, we're done with it. So get paid for like those two days and then we move on like I don't need to be in a contract with them um I don't need like a consistent again hourly thing it's just per project really right. um so they're just kind of three different different ways I do it preferred is long term and then they can ask me as much as they want as often as they want and it'll get done so it's kind of nice for them to have have me on standby again, like a gym, you can go as much as you want as little, but like you will always be able to go. <laughs> That's dope. So how do you navigate? Like, cause I feel like I was, I'm into like content creation and like making reels and TikTok stuff like that too. And I was listening to different content creators talk about like their rates for like videos and stuff. And like, they'll talk about how they'll talk to brands and they'll be like, all right, well, like how much would you charge us for this? And it's like, all right, I got to throw out a number. Like, what should I say? What is my time worth? What is my, you know, the editing stuff worth, right? How do you kind of de determine, you know, what's your charge when you're thinking about, all right, well, because I think they too, right? You have to keep it in context as well. Like you're working with maybe NBA guys who might be on different pay grades as far as salaries, right? So um, how do you determine yeah. charge somebody for something that a piece of work that you're going to do and determine, all right, well, I think this is worth this much. Maybe they might think it's not worth as much, but you're, as the person doing the work and doing the editing, obviously will have kind of, you know, I guess a better idea of that. Yeah, I mean, part of it is I try and be really transparent. And so when I'm talking to my other friends that work in content, other photographers, editors, um, social media people doing some type of freelance, I'm, you know, I'm always curious what they're getting paid. And also I'm hiring a lot of freelancers. So like as often as I can outsource and just be the creative director and like find the budget to get someone else to be the photographer for the project, um, editor, et cetera. That's also how I'm learning the rates because I have to figure out what they want to get paid. And then I keep that in mind. Um, you know, to my friends, my advice is always you won't get what you don't ask for. So if you think you're worth um, $500 as a photographer, um, one, it's worth always explaining, I think, how they got to that number. So like if you go to an athlete who maybe doesn't understand what they're getting for that $500. Well, yes, you only spent an hour in the gym and you're only going to give them back a hundred photos, 
but those hundred photos came down from 2000 photos. And then you had to edit all of them in Lightroom and create a new preset because you've never been in that gym before. So there's hours of work that they don't see. And that's what the rest is covering. So in reality, I'm usually like, hey, this is what it's, we're listing it as like $500 an hour, but it really ends up being $20 an hour because this is what we're doing. And I try to be as transparent as possible of like, here's the formula of how I got to this number. Um, I'm typically not just throwing a number out there. And then at this point I can kind of, at least for me, gauge, okay, well, this is how much work I do for these other players. And we've all agreed that this number makes sense for us. Um, this is where I'd like to go. It's not going to be like a, oh, he's an all-star. He's making a hundred million dollar contract. He gets this price, but this guy's a rookie and his contract hasn't hit yet. Like he gets this price. It's you try and work with them. Obviously, if, if they don't want to spend as much, then we just don't get as much work out of it. But, um, I'm not shopping around to be like, okay, well you make more. So you have to pay more just because of that. Um, I try and keep it pretty consistent for this is what my work is worth. And that that changes because I do concierge services that when I'm doing the technical skills and shooting and editing, coordinating all the content, that's going to end up being more per hour than helping me helping you pack or helping you ship cars or, um, you know, your day to day management of setting up gyms and stuff like that, that doesn't take nearly the same technical skills of, you know, years of training. And I think I read somewhere, saw somewhere, and it's, I feel like a pretty well-known thing, but people are getting paid for the years of experience that it took to get there. So when you see like major CEOs of a bank, you're not paying them millions of dollars because their job requires millions of dollars of skill. You're paying them because it took them 20 years to be eligible for this job. And that's what the million of dollars is covering. So that's something to keep in mind too, when people are hiring, you know, you can find an intern that does photography that's groundbreaking. You know, we've had, we had people at the Super Bowl that were college interns, their photography viral. It's all over everywhere. They asked for like $15 an hour. And I was like, we need to work on that because Rihanna is reposting you. But, um, that's part of it they also have to realize their worth of the quality of it but they do realize like hey I am an intern I'm 19 years old in college versus we have these photographers that worked for teams for 20 years and now they freelance they're gonna cost more so um it's not as simple as just walking in I mean I guess it kind of is when you go shopping there's you know a t-shirt with 20 dollars but then you go see a Gucci t-shirt same t-shirt same concept. It's a graphic on a t-shirt. Nothing has changed. That one's $500. So you're going to have to shop around. I just try not to be the Gucci shirt asking for $500 because I can. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, nah, I like that. I think that what you said about paying for kind of what, you're, what you've done and your experience at the gym, though, that's facts. Um, yeah. So because obviously, one of the things that's super important as far as just working in the NBA, right? People always say like, you know, relationships are everything. You know, relationships are super important, right? And I feel like even in your job and your space that, that you're in, it's even more important, right? Because when you're dealing with, you know, concierge or, you know, digital media and things like that, and you have a, a business where you're trying to acquire players, you need to have those type of relationships to where you can say, hey, I'm Jessica, this is what I do, right? And um, yeah. I feel like it's also a balance though, because again, like 
when you're in these spaces, right, you might come across somebody at summer league or you might be at, you know, NBA All-Star and just be at dinner and meet a player, right? There's a balance between being in a space and maybe thinking like, dang, this is somebody who I know I could help um, or who may need my help and giving them that elevator pitch versus like, all right, you know, I'm just in this space. Maybe we're at a dinner and I'm just going to vibe and, you know, be in this space organically, right? How do you balance that? Because I feel like that's a very fine line to walk when it comes to, um, doing the business that you do, right? And being around players and NBA guys all the time, you know, I think the business, I think, because I thought like I struggled with this too, like having a podcast and being in this media space, you always want to be like, hey, like, you know, I'm, I'm a big fan of your work. I love to talk about the things that you do. But also when you come across people, you don't want to hit them with a, a business pitch right off of the bat, right? So how do you balance those things when you're in, in these type of spaces? Um, I probably am one of the worst people of like not pitching myself like the amount of times I'll walk away and I'm like I didn't even introduce myself because I'm so okay with like oh if I joined a table and everyone kind of already knows each other and like I seamlessly become a part of the conversation I don't want to stop and be like hello I'm Jessica like nice like I'll just be part of the conversation we walk away and they don't know who I am like the moment was good so I'm not super concerned with um my name and stuff but then I will walk away and be like oh that would have been like a really cool person to work with or I think you know there was a lot of opportunity there um but I think I'm always really focused on keeping things as organic as possible so in the same way other people you know you just casually will mention like oh what do you do for a living like I'll try to be as like precise and like clear about what I do um and so that they kind of immediately understand it um, and then a lot of like showcasing my work so that's on social media. A lot of those I've had multiple people be like, oh, you know, I saw my teammates posting your work from their runs. Like um, I had to like reach out because like I might need some help with this, like stuff like that, where you use social media as, you know, a resume and a platform to showcase what you're doing so that eventually when people see you in person, they kind of already have an idea of what you do. Um, but no, I mean, part of it is you, I just wait for opportunities. So if someone is like, oh, I, I hate that I have to do this for social media. I'm like, oh, I can help you. And like, that's it. I don't need to sit there and tell them like a whole, a whole pitch. If they have follow-up questions, great. If they don't, I could have helped them and I don't need to, but I'm, I'm not interested in convincing someone to work with me or like selling them on it. I'm just, I'm not good at it. So, um, I think, I really do just focus on on naturally building relationships and friendships and and getting to know people. And then if down the road that works out and we work together, great. If not, you know, the more people you know is always great. And a lot of times it's good for, for finding other people jobs. They need branding and sponsorships, things I'm not good at. I, you know, I know other people that I can be like, oh, I saw that you posted on Instagram. You're looking for this. She can help you. Like stuff like that. Um, just building the connections to build them and not necessarily to, to get things out of people or build a specific strategic relationship, um, has seemed to, you know, been more successful for me than elevator pitches. I think that's a great perspective because I feel like I always, I was, I I was just listening to a podcast. Um, it was, uh, actually I I saw a clip of a podcast on Instagram on Switch Cultures and it was, um, Troy Payne, who was James Harden's agent came on the podcast and was talking about like just summer league and like all the people who you run into, you know, and I always say, oh yeah, man, you might just bump into somebody in the hallway and like, 
yeah, go talk to him and go da, 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 tell him what you do. And I'm like, in theory, like that's that's dope. And I think everybody should, you know, I think that's a great piece of advice, you know, but I think it's also a balance because there's probably people who come up to these, especially NBA players or people who are in that space all the time. And you don't want to feel like you're always first encounter going up to somebody and, and making a request, you know? So I was just like to hear people's perspectives on that. Yeah. I think it's definitely a fine line when it comes to that. But when you think about, you know, your kind of experiences and the work that you've done, is there one maybe relationship that you can remember like, dang, like, you know, this relationship really paid off or, you know, me having this conversation with somebody turning into this down the line and dang, I'm really thankful that, you know, I met this person here. Like, is there one that kind of pops up to where, um, you know, was, was super, I guess, valuable in hindsight? Yeah. So um, when I moved to Phoenix, I was a year out of college. So I was really fresh on like, I'm going to message everyone on LinkedIn that might possibly know somebody that, because I, I went out there without like a really solid job. I knew I could do some digital writing and I did fan-sided and covered the Lakers and, and different stuff digitally, but um, you know, really heavy on like the traditional concept of marketing of like, Hey, I just want to introduce myself, would love to, to pick your brain. And now in return, I have people asking me that constantly. So I'm like, the least I can do is answer these people because I was hundred percent in their shoes. But because of that, I ended up reaching out to Jeremy McPeak. He had worked in, uh, for the Suns as vice president of, I believe digital communications was his title, but, um, you know, hugely successful with the Phoenix Suns in a digital space. And by the time I met him, he had his own digital media company, as well as was teaching a class at Arizona State. And part of it was he had special guests come in once a week to speak to his students on different aspects of basically being successful in sports media. So as, um, you know, a fresh um, kid out in the world, he had me come in to talk specifically to them about networking as, you know, a peer and someone that's their age and in the process of it right now, trying to find jobs and continue to kind of build that relationship with him because I had truly been networking. And again, I wasn't going to him. He didn't work for the Suns, So it's not like I was asking for a job from the Suns. I didn't really know exactly what he did as far as what his company was responsible for. Um, so I, I wasn't, I didn't have an end goal. I just knew this is someone I can learn from that can mentor me. Um, there might be opportunities. If not, like I'll walk away with more seeds of knowledge than I came with. And because of that, one, he can, has continued to be a great mentor because he does have his own media company. So I can kind of see what he's doing and, and do it in different ways. Um, but it's also created so many opportunities because he's been so generous in bringing me in to those projects that he gets for his company. So we've done Super Bowl together. We've done Fiesta Bowl. Um, what? Bridgepoint Bowl. I don't even get all the bowl names right because they change sponsors every year. But um, if there's a bowl game in Phoenix, we have worked on it together. Um, I helped him with some stuff for Final Four. Um, he does stuff with MMA fighting in California. So there's all these really cool projects that was so um important for me and for learning as well as just getting really cool experiences I mean there's only so many people that can say they worked on Super Bowls and for him to continue to bring me into that stuff 
because I was just a kid that, you know, probably pressed him a little hard on LinkedIn has been so fortunate. And um, it's been really cool to kind of watch over the years of I, he helped me get the job in Connecticut as far as like, just text me one day and was like, how do you feel about moving to Connecticut? And I was like, I don't know. Sure. Like, okay. And he was like, I know Amber Cox. She's with the Connecticut Sun. She used to be with um, Phoenix, you know, she's looking for someone. So, so many opportunities have come from that and hopefully whatever work I've contributed has been helpful in return, but, um, just a really great person that has also been huge to reminding me to kind of give back in the same way. So, um, helping find, he does a lot with interns and ASU students, GCU students, um, bringing them into his projects and giving them opportunities. So when I go, I take that same model of, you know, trying to give people chances and not always going with maybe the veteran um, photographer or videographer, but find people that this is a project we can use, you know, a new perspective on or, you know, a younger talent. So, um, you know, unimaginable ways that I've learned from him, but definitely one of one of my favorite connections um, that I've made and was lucky that it was so early in my career. Awesome. I always love hearing these stories, like these LinkedIn messages, message through because it's like, <laughs> like throwing shit at the wall and hoping it sticks, because like you, you message the people and you don't know if they're going to respond or anything. And it's like, okay. to see what's been able to come from that since then is, is super amazing. So I hope if folks are listening, man, take advantage of LinkedIn, take advantage of Instagram, even send those, you know, DMs and you never yeah. know you get a response. Like it changed the course of your career, you know, and I think that that's- I do that constantly. Like, link, I think- there is a stigma of like, oh, it's just a DM, like it's not serious. And obviously how you type it matters. <laughs> You're like, hey, yo, I need a job. Like it's, that's not serious. <laughs> but no, I think my thing is the worst thing that happens is they don't respond. Like, and we move on. There's infinite DMs that you can send, in, infinite messages, emails. Um, and I'm I'm constantly messaging people like, hey, I saw you're working on this project. If you need help, like, let me know or like I have somebody that can do that for you like a lot of times I'll reach out to pitch other people and then at least you're building those relationships because they might not need me now but they might need me later and if I can help to find the right person for what they're looking for then um who might you know stand in the way of either of those people connecting so um you can truly network through any platform um it's just a matter of you know being willing to do it no facts i think that's the most important thing Kyle. i think like a lot of people especially in today's dating they let their ego get in the way of sending a dm and they, they probably might get hurt if they don't get a response back or something like that so you kind of got to be able to put that to the side um in order to get to where you're trying to go in in, in this industry especially um yeah but i want to talk to you kind of about your work kind of let's say uh, we're talking about andre right so i feel like your work obviously is is kind of uh, mainly focus like digital media and social media and building guys' online presence and things like that. I'm curious to know, like for a guy like Andre Drummond, right, you know, multiple time all-star, all-NBA, like max contract type of guy, right? What does that look like trying to build a brand for him, whether it be a clothing brand or digitally, right? Because I feel like, you know, for a player of his stature who has the resume that he has, who's made the money that he's made in his career, it is important to be able to brand yourself and present yourself a certain way online. So, you know, for a player like that, what are some things that you think are important? How do you kind of approach, um, you know, handling his, his things, like whether it be online or just ways that you're, he's presenting himself in a business aspect outside of basketball? Yeah. Um, I mean, part of it, 
Andre as an example, he just is truly a good person. So it's not like you're trying to sell something that isn't there. And he works with Jessica Sloan right now, who does a lot of branding and sponsorships and PR and stuff. And she's so phenomenal at showcasing who he really is and his experiences. And they've done all types of promotion for mental health and stuff. So having people in your team that understand who you are as a person so that they can promote kind of all the best sides of you is super important. And he's, you know, been really great at finding those people to surround him. I think the other, the other side of it is, um, you can't, you know, necessarily, you don't want to spin things like you want these guys to be good people, but you know, you can really focus on the things that, you know, deep down matter. So we don't have to repost every little thing. We don't have to do PR stunts of like, oh, we're going to go to this like boys and girls club just because you had a bad week in media. Like we're not, we don't need to fake it. It's sometimes bad things happen. Sometimes bad games happen. You're going to have all kinds of comments um, from fans, from haters that are just flooding your inbox that might not necessarily reflect who you are as a person, but just how people see you. And I think it's important that when you do get the opportunity to showcase them and they get to showcase themselves that you do, you know, intentionally showcase it in the best light possible. And that's why it was so important to me to, to try and, you know, give them the tools to do that, that they're going to have, you know, Bleach Report or ESPN or somebody showing and airing out things that they think is breaking news, but they get to control the narrative on their platforms and the things that come out of their corner and who they're surrounding themselves with and and what they're posting and stuff like that. So, um, you know, being intentional about like, okay, let's, let's focus on posting this kind of stuff. Or if we're trying to grow their identity and it's, you know, not so much about reputation or image, but just showcase more interests. If it's fashion, let's, you know, make sure we're communicating with teams to get tunnel picks so that if you need a stylist so that we can, you know, different, do different features or find new magazine features, stuff like that, that you're looking for different opportunities to showcase what's important to them and, and who they really are and worry a lot less about what everyone else is saying so that the narrative that will matter at the end of the day that is the true narrative is what people push out themselves. And so just helping them curate that and cultivate it to, you know, something that's presentable to the public, but that's authentic. 100%. Now, obviously, I don't know if this has happened with uh, Andre or any of the guys you work with, but I feel like you made me think about it when you mentioned, like, you know, dealing with, like, PR, we have, like, a bad week in the media, right? So I'm going to give you a hypothetical situation. I kind of just want to pick your brain on, you know, your thoughts, given the experience that you have, right? Um, obviously... Yeah. The whole thing with John Morant, right, or with his whole Instagram situation, if that happens with the player that you're dealing with, or, you know, Zion Williamson, when he was getting all that heat in the, in the media about the things that he was doing off the court, right, and you're somebody who's managing yeah. social media, like, how do you respond to something like that? Like, are you saying, all right, like, let's lay off of social media for X amount of time, or let's try to rebrand our image on social media to what, because even yesterday, I saw, uh, it, it was going around social media like John Rant was working out in these t-shirts that were like it said like accountability and like I was yeah. kind of that they got some pictures in that though you know what I'm saying that like those got posted and stuff so yeah. um, I don't think that would be a coincidence but I kind of wanted to get your opinion on that like how would you deal with a situation like that what are some things that are important when trying to crisis manage because I think sometimes you have the response that like okay no response is the best response 
And then sometimes it's like, all right, now nah, we need to get a statement out there and something like that. So how would you deal with a situation like that? Um, I mean, usually my first call is to be like, why would you do that? <laughs> um, and like, let's, let's not do this again. Like we can very much move on. Like we can clean things up. We can, we can spin whatever story we want to. Let's not repeat it. Like let's, let's let this be a fun little lesson and we move on. Um, a lot of this stuff is not the end of the world. And so I think, yeah, there's going to be a new cycle or something that is not great. You might lose a little sleep over it. Um, obviously extreme situations, that's a whole different thing, but a lot of the stuff we can, we can move on from. Um, and so I think depending on the situation, if it's something that, you know, is deserving of an apology, getting that out there, I think, um, it's good to not only one apologize if you do something wrong, but you do have fans, kids looking up to you, whether you want that or not. Obviously, no one asks to be a public figure, but you know what you signed up for when you sign these contracts. Um, you know, showing them that you can apologize and that you're not perfect and we can learn from things. Um, to me, I mean, after that, I'm not the kind of person that lets, hey, let's go plant trees in the park and like do a whole media thing and like show that you actually are squeaky clean and you would never do something bad like it happens and we're adults and I think just going about it um from there I mean content wise it's avoiding distractions so like I'm not I'm not going to tell them what to do with their lives they're adults and they know what they're doing um you would definitely I think a lot of it would end up being internal reflection like there's not as much on my you know in my experience and the things I want to do I don't want to throw this huge PR campaign out so I don't I don't want to start making these wild articles I don't want to set up um interviews where we're we're talking about all their charity work or how they have a phenomenal relationship with their kids or I, I don't even know I don't I'm not going to like try and like create something sparkly over here so that we forgot what bad happened over here. But, you know, internally then like, Hey, maybe this week, like, let's really just be in the gym. Like, let's, we'll get some gym content. We don't necessarily need, you know, motivational graphic tees, but like, let's focus. Like let's, as you normally would, they're going to be in the gym anyway, because they're such high caliber athletes, but we can showcase that side of this week. We don't need to showcase your outfits. Um, we don't need to showcase your social stuff. Um, and you know, some weeks you want to do that because you want to show that they're well-rounded and that they have lives outside of sports and that they see their families and they go, um, you know, to other sporting events or stuff like that. So, but you know, maybe this week, next week, it's a lot of gym content. It's basketball content. Um, if you don't want to post, that's fine. I don't think it needs to be like, an edgy we you know start deleting everyone we follow and like delete every post that's ever like you don't need to like black out social media um and I think it's really easy to get caught up again how I was talking with broadcasting where all you're thinking about is like the whole world is looking at me like you're the center of the world and you could be the highest profile athlete and something will happen tomorrow 
and other people will do things. And there's other things in the world going on. And, you know, you apologize if you need to, you fix anything that might need to be fixed. And we like keep it pushing. Like we get focused on the sport. We get focused on any other goals we were trying to set and we don't repeat the behavior. But I don't, you know, I'm not one that's like, hey, let's do a whole puff piece on (laughs) why you, you know, are a totally different person than the public thinks. The public is going to think what they, like I said before, they're going to think what they think, even if you're an angel, they're going to make up their decisions and stuff. So if you sit there and sulk in the fact that they don't, they have this one formed opinion based on a mistake or something, um, you're only kind of confirming it to them. So you just keep it pushing. <laughs> Gems right there. That's a, I think that's that's important. That's important. One thing that you said too was, you know, you want to be able to showcase guys in other lights and things that they're doing off the court, right? Um, but I feel like it's it's a give and take in today's society because I feel like there are a lot of players who get criticized for their presence on social media. Like, oh, you know, I remember uh, reading the whole thing with Spencer Dinwiddie and Kyle Kuzma, like, then we went on the media and basically like he's his priorities aren't focused on basketball and things like that. And then I thought Kuz is a perfect example of someone who kind of gets a bad rep a lot of times because he does like fashion. He's going to the shows in the fall. I mean, the, um, you know, the, the the summertime, the fashion shows, and he's dating Winnie Harlow. And people think he's kind of distracted from basketball. But um, I, me personally, I think it's dope that he's exploring other interests outside of the game and, um, at the end of the day, you know, the partnerships that he has with Puma and Childhood Dreams and Tiffany, all these different type of brand deals are compensating him financially as well. So can you talk about just the importance of being able to kind of, I guess, show up on social media? But have you ever also maybe had to deal with like, all right, you know, maybe am I doing too much on social media? Like, you know, how people will perceive it if maybe if I'm playing bad, but then I'm posting on social media and stuff like that. Like, how do you deal with those types of situations? Um. In my experience, getting these guys to post on social media is like pulling teeth. So I'm always like, hey, can we post something? But I do think, and again, I don't know Kyle's situation or everyone's situation, but like in my case, I'm well aware of what the scores were, what that specific player's performance was. So how we post after the game is going to be different if it was sometimes, you know, doesn't mean we won't post. It just means we'll post those photos like tomorrow or in two days, or they'll just go on stories instead of, you know, a hard post where you're trying to get feedback and stuff. Um, especially if you don't want a bunch of comments telling, you know, telling them they're a bum or something. Um, Cause they scored 20 points instead of 35. But um, I think really you could be posting in my experience, you could be posting on social media nonstop and it's still such a small fraction. It takes five seconds to post on social media. So if he's sitting there and he's commenting on everything and he's reposting everything, then that does take some time. But if he's just posting pictures people took of him and sent him, like that really doesn't take that much time. Um, These guys, regardless of what they criticize each other about, are all out doing things that are not basketball. Um, Even if it's hanging out with their families, if it's, playing video get like it's not necessarily runways or restaurant openings or owning other companies but there's nobody that only plays basketball and does zero other things um 
maybe Kawhi Leonard, but I, again, I, he has a family. Like they, they have, they have things that they do. Um, some of them, Kawhi is a great example. They don't want any of that out in the public, and I totally respect that. Um, but for the ones that you know they want to post, I think that's a great way one for them to you know interact with their fan base. It is a very public role, and there's a lot of people that are interested in their lives and if you're willing to share it um i think that's very generous of them and especially if you have different interests i think it's always great to reinforce that you know to younger student athletes and and different um people coming up into sports that you don't just have to focus on that sport you can also like art you can also like fashion or reading or chess or you you know it's great to be well-rounded and getting to see these guys and how well-rounded they are, um, you know, just through the lens of social media, I think benefits more people than, than just them. And if they have the time to manage it, um, you know, more power to them. Obviously, if you're like checking Instagram in practice and that's a whole different problem, but I've never heard of that happening. So I think, um, for the most part, yeah, if you're the teammate that doesn't want to post it all after a loss and your other teammate posts after a loss, you know, you got to get over it. <laughs> They're going to like, because for some people, that's the, the therapeutic part of it is they lost and now they can go to Instagram and, you know, that's a place where it's, there's different things interacting and they have different things they can showcase because they don't want to focus on the fact that the basketball game was good. And I think being realistic about people handling their realities in different ways. It's not, it's not going to look the same, but it doesn't mean they don't also, you know, have the impact of that loss or the impact of where the state of the season or something. Um, you know, people work through things differently and sometimes posting more on social media is one of those ways. Yeah. Well, this, um, this is, this is low key a selfish question that I have to ask you because I'm in awe at the amount you're able to handle. Like, I mean, obviously the work you do, it's hard enough for me to run my own brand, like all facts media in the podcast and in my own personal brand, I'm trying to develop and edit stuff and post reels and like edit the podcast. And like, you're managing multiple people's social media. You're starting to, you know, doing charity and stuff. And like, even the stuff you did with TMAC and the OBL, like, you know, that is like a whole process in and of itself. Like, how do you find time to be able to do all that stuff? And because editing is not like a, at least for me, maybe I need to get my reps up, but I feel like editing is not like an easy thing. It takes time to be able to edit this stuff, especially to be able to present it in the way that you do. So how are you able to manage so many different tasks and handle so many different players? And, you know, I don't know. That's just amazing to me. Um, If you ask my friends, it's because I don't have a social life. Like they haven't seen me in years. I get texts that are like, are you alive? Um, I don't, because even when I do get free time, I... I'm like sitting on a pool by myself or I'm reading, like I'm not actively like doing stuff. Um, I also in my free time will substitute teach high school. Cause I'm like, if I have the daytime and we only need social media at night, then might as well go do something productive during the day. So I do think I'm kind of wired to be as busy as possible at all times. Um, and that's something I don't think I could teach people, but I think, a lot of it is I've learned to almost triage of like what's urgent and what's not and being really realistic about it and like what needs full attention, what can be pushed to a different day. Um, 
I think it's really easy, at least for me to like, think everything needs to be done right now. Um, super quick. The first draft needs to be the best draft. Um, you know, it's all urgent end of the world. Let's like get it done. And a lot of the times it's not. And especially in social media, I know there's like, you want to keep in mind like metrics of like, oh, if we post at 3 p.m., it's perfect. But like, sometimes you don't. And sometimes, you know, it's not, it's not going to make or break a lot of stuff. Um, You can compensate for it, start reposting things on stories, get other people to repost it. But I think I would like to be more organized. Like I don't do um, like Hootsuite or any social media planning apps. I don't have social calendars. I do a lot. I just call a lot of audibles. But part of that is I want this content to be organic and the average person that has an account is not like, I'm not going to schedule my own content for my J Slate account. And for these players, I'm an extension of them. So they're not going to be scheduling stuff. I want it, you know, to be the highest quality. I want the captions to be intriguing. I want them to be interacting with um, fans and their comments, but they're not going to be posting every single day in a release scheduled, you know, Mondays are motivational Mondays. And we pick some quote from Rosa Parks. Like, they're not doing that. And I don't want them to do that because it's, that's not who they are. It's a lot of just kind of running it the way they would run it so that they don't have to, so that they are, you know, at practice and not distracted. Um, but no, I mean, I probably don't sleep much and I definitely don't have a social life. So that's part of it. But for me, I love that. I'm not sure that that's sustainable for everyone else. <laughs> Yeah, I was going to say, too, because it makes me think, like, you you mentioned, you know, you're on call, you get texts and calls at 3 a.m., 6 a.m., right? Like, I feel like that's that's taxing on the mental health as well and, like, having to unplug. Like, I feel like sometimes you have to be time where you just unplug and be like, all right, like, I got to get away or, like, because having to always check your phone and, oh, does somebody, does somebody need something is, is taxing on your mental. So how do you deal with that from a mental aspect? Do you ever have times where you feel like, all right, Jessica, like, we need to unplug for a little bit and just put the phone down or, I mean, I feel like that's low-key impossible with, with what you do. Like, so how do you kind of balance that from a mental standpoint? I mean, I would love to just throw my phone in the ocean and like never look at Instagram again, but um, I don't know. I think I should probably look into dealing with it better. Um, but it's fortunate the guys that I work with, um, it's not like they don't bother me. So if they're calling me at 3am, it's they actually need to like, they're not wasting my time. It's not, Hey, did you see this on Instagram? I, I wanted you to see it at 3am. It's like, Hey, the building's locked out and I need access to my cars or like the team plane got delayed and we can't get Ubers or something like it's a real problem. If they're calling me at all hours of the day, um, and typically they're pretty good about time zones, which I appreciate um, being on the West Coast. If you know it's 9 a.m. on the East Coast, please don't contact me if it's not urgent. Um, so it helps that like if they're reaching out to me, I think what gets to me is more like the social media notification. So my phone is blowing up and it has nothing to do with me. It's like, you know, this random guy from Ohio commented on the photo or 
you know, this person sent a DM or they reposted your, something like that. And like those notifications, I want to just like turn it off. But again, I could be doing such harder labor and such more intricate work and, you know, really stressed out. And a lot of things, I think the way I, I mostly deal with it is I try to be in good environments to be doing it. So nice thing about like social media, a lot of it I can do from my phone. So like I can go to the pool or I can travel and be in California and then Charlotte, or I went to Miami for a week to get content um, for fun. I mean, like I had a week that I could do vacation and I went and sat in a basketball gym um, and got content for players and um, the whole, you know, Taylor sports group down in Miami. So um, I think I enjoy it, which makes, makes it nice that it doesn't feel as taxing. And then I just try to work from as many places that aren't a desk as possible so that it doesn't feel like I'm working nonstop, but even if I am. <laughs> yeah. How many accounts do you have on your phone? <laughs> like social media accounts that you like notification notifications from? Um, well, Instagram doesn't let you have more than 10. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Even 10 is a so I'm, I would be at 10 on Instagram. Um, but then the other thing is like you have to think about how many platforms there are. So we have notifications from multiple accounts on Instagram, multiple accounts on threads, Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, TikTok, YouTube. Um I don't touch Snapchat. I mean, I could, but at this point, I don't need to. Um, and yeah, no, there's so many different notifications going through my phone at all times. Like when they created threads, I know every social media manager was like, did we need another outlet? Like, please. <laughs> um, so that's not great. But I don't know. It just becomes second nature. Like you just start operating and not thinking about things. I need to get like you because I'd be stressed out trying to post on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, and YouTube shorts. And that's a lot, but I'd be like, yo, like 10 accounts is crazy. Um, so yeah. I, got, I got a few more questions for you, and then we'll get you into some quick hitters and get you one out the door. Um, but I listened to one of the podcasts that you did, and uh I was amazed. You were talking kind of talking about some of the last minute requests. You were like, Yeah, like sometimes, you know, if I if I might get requests where you know, 15 minutes before somebody might text me, can we get a party 15 at STK or like, we're trying to like, you know, I'm gonna get it done. Like, how do you, like, how do you do that? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, how, what does that actually, can you talk about someone maybe, what's the craziest request that, you, that you've gotten like last minute that you've been able to pull off that you're like, damn, like I, I did that or I can't, or maybe I just, something that was like, yo, like most people probably wouldn't be able to get this done, but I got it done. Um, I feel like I've probably blocked a lot of them out of my memory because they stress me out. So like, that's where I get stressed. I can deal with the social media notifications when, when someone wants a last minute reservation at Tau during summer league in Vegas in July, like, I just want to be like, yeah, absolutely not. Um, but then we make it happen. Um, I do think again, that goes back to like relationships. So I try to, anytime I have to like pull something off, I make sure I build a relationship with like that restaurant or that store or whatever, you know, we needed to do that driver um, that, you know, I'm one very grateful to them. And like, I show that, but um, 
you know, that I continue to build that relationship so that when I reach out to them, they automatically are inclined to try and help me and they trust, you know, I'm really on my clients, but like, cool, you asked for this reservation. You need to be on time. Like you need to be there. You need to respect that they made this reservation, um, that they pulled it off for you. Like don't show up 45 minutes late because we were waiting on people to get ready or something. Like if you want to be there at nine 30, that table's there at nine 30, get there. Um, and they, they understand it. And I think they appreciate someone being like straight and blunt with them. Um, so yeah, I think we have done some last minute reservations to Tao. Um, it's hard to do really anything in like LA, New York, Vegas during summer league where you can't like name dropping doesn't matter. Like everyone is the name and everyone is trying to get a table. And like, if I'm like, Hey, this basketball player wants it, they're like, cool. All other 42 tables are basketball players. Like he can wait. So that's where the relationships help. If they already know you, they're like, Oh yeah. Like Jess will, you know, we'll make it have, we'll pull a table out of the back or something like that. Um, I think that's, that's really the most difficult are those dinner reservations. Um, but I'm sure there's other stuff that I've probably done. And I'll, I think even on top of that is like last minute editing where people are like, we need a video tomorrow. I'm like, do you know what goes into that? Right. Um, I'm like, I have three audio levels. There's all kinds of different transitions and cuts and you only give me iPhone video, but you need it, you know, at a wide dimension. So now I have to like map every single video so that the ball stays in the script. Like that's the kind of stuff that's also like last minute. I'm like, okay, we're going to pull off a miracle, but it happens. I have a pretty good track record of pulling things off. <laughs> yeah, you are. You, you're a different breed. You are a different breed. Um, so that question I got for you before you get into a little quick hitters and have a little bit of fun. Um, I feel like it's 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 dope to be able to you know be somebody like yourself who's you have your hand in a bunch of different hats. You have a bunch of different skill sets, right? But when I feel like, and you mentioned right kind of earlier, you said you don't want to have this like five or ten year plan, right? So. Um, that's not what I'm going to ask you more so, but I guess what type of impact do you want to have in this space, right? Because I feel like, you know, as a woman in the sports industry, working in a male-dominated industry like the NBA, like, it's super rare, you know, to be able to find um, in this space, you know, a lot of times people only want to trust people who look like them or other men who have played a sport, right? So somebody who yourself hasn't played basketball, you know, at that level, right? But still be able to be in these spaces and do the work that you're that you're doing. I think that there is a lot of opportunity to inspire a lot of people or, you know, grow to different skills and things like that. Do you ever think about what kind of impact you want to have in this field, like going forward or long-term? Cause, and again, not necessarily in like a position or kind of things like that, but just, um, you know, what mark you kind of want to leave on this industry? I think um, kind of, a, I don't know how to describe it, but like a, a silent impact. Like I'm not really worried about, getting to a point where I'm done working and I'm retired and they're like, Jessica Slate was this type of, you know, figurehead in sports as like an individual. I think if I can walk away and know that women have more opportunities and minorities have more opportunities and that there's, you know, a safe space for people to where I think that's really important is a lot of times there's the opportunities, but then you get there and it's miserable. There's people still talking down to you or mansplaining or whatever the circumstances may be. It's, 
you might have the opportunity, but it was not worth it. Um, so I think continuing to one speak up. So I'm, you know, really straightforward. If I don't like how someone was speaking or how someone acted, I will tell them. I think it's really easy and to not say something. And it's, it's so difficult to speak up a lot of times when people are, um, discrediting you or not, you know, giving you the responsibilities that you're supposed to have, whatever the different things may be. I think it's easy to, to keep it to yourself because you're just used to not getting the treatment that you deserve and, you know, speaking up when you can. And so since I know I'm somebody that's willing to do that, trying to do it as much as possible so that if others aren't willing to, it's still creating a safer space um, for all of us to, to work in sports and work together and um, creating, you know, a consistent track record again with character and being reliable and trustworthy and not burning people's um, trust and expectations for me so that when I get to the end, it's not I've worked with this many players. It's I worked with these players and all of them you know, will vouch for me. All of them had good experiences working with me. All of them feel comfortable trusting to bring in outsiders to their, their circle that they know, um, might not look like them, might not have played basketball, um, whatever the, the circumstances may be, but I, you know, proved to them that there's a space for, for those people as well. And that you can, you know, trust them and rely on them. Um, even if they don't have, you know, the obvious markers of why you would want to trust somebody. Um, I think that'll be important to me when I leave. Um, obviously growing the sport is always kind of in the back of your mind of not necessarily just basketball, but football and soccer and, you know, any sport that I may, um, work with and, and touch on, um, making it accessible for the people working it, but also for the fans, because that's what really drives the sports and letting them feel, um, comfortable and safe to watch sports and be a fan of that sport and not, you know, walk into a bar and have someone be like, oh, are you waiting for your boyfriend to watch the game? Like, no, I actually work for these guys. So stuff like that, like you all probably deal with it. And I'm, I know the generations before me dealt with it even worse, but continuing to create, um, you know, spaces and opportunities for people so that it just continues to keep flourishing and, and grow the sport um, for fans and for employees. That's awesome. That's awesome. I like that. I like that. Um, so kind of get a couple, a couple little fun little games and then we'll, we'll get you out the door. So this is a fun game. I like, uh, it's called who's most likely to. So this game, has got a couple questions and it's going to be the first person that comes to your mind, right? And this could be people who you work with, like this people who you work with. So either guys that are on the, the subscription the, the or guys that you work with one time, first person to come to your mind. So okay. first question is, who is most likely to run up a tab at a dinner? Um, based on all of my clients, it's really anyone, but I, I would say it's going to be because they're generous. Like they're not the one running up the tab. It's going to be because they brought people. And I feel like Grant Williams is probably that person because he will let the whole community sit at his table and will gladly take care of everyone. So probably Grant Williams is the most likely to run up a tab, but it's not his order. It's everyone else's orders. Okay. 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 Who's most likely to shoot a triple bogey on the golf course? Uh, 
triple bogey, also Grant Williams. <laughs> <laughs> Unless, I mean, he'll claim he has mulligans or something, but it's Grant Williams. The other, none of the other guys golf. Uh, okay, okay. How, do you golf? How's your golf game? Better than Grant's. Ooh, period. period. <laughs> but it depends on the day. I haven't, I haven't had a lot of time to golf lately. Busy guy, busy guy. Okay. Who is most likely to be on the cover of Vogue? Um, I'll give it to Andre Drummond. He, um, Tory Craig is probably the best dressed out of everyone, but Andre is really good at like interacting, um, with like the fashion world. And of course he has Jessica who can help, um, get him magazine covers and stuff. And I know that's something that he would be excited about. So I hope Andre makes it on the cover of Vogue. Hopefully manifest it. Go manifest it. All right. So, so I know you always getting uh you know these last minute phone calls and players blowing up your phone, but if your life depended on it and you had to call one person to answer the phone when you call, who are you making that phone call to? Um probably Tory Craig. He's reliable. I trust him with my life, I think. If <laughs> help with stuff um he sleeps the least so that probably i mean he actually sleeps a lot but late at night like if i had an emergency i could definitely call him um yeah i'd call tori okay bet 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 oh uh, so last thing i like to do is gonna be a draft so <clears throat> we're gonna pick our <clears throat> excuse me dang it's gonna be favorite i'm gonna travel a lot so it's gonna be favorite nba cities Favorite NBA city. So you're gonna get the first pick, and we're just gonna get three each, and you gotta say mm-hmm. the first pick, or top three pick, whatever, and then why. So you can get the first pick for best NBA city. And are we thinking like cumulative or just like stadium experience? No, 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 no. cumulative. So off, off the court, like restaurants at the party, you want to go out, have a good time at night, like you know all that. You you gotta start with Los Angeles. I would start with Los Angeles. Again, West Coast, but yeah, I'd start with Los Angeles. Okay. Um and specifically a Clippers game, which is like out of left field, but I just think they have more entertaining games personally. Well, I've been to Clippers before. <laughs> I have a twin brother, fun fact. And he worked for the Clippers mm-hmm. last year. So I got to go to I think four Clippers games with the playoff games. They're in arena, people are super dope. Yeah, exactly. That. I mean, Lakers basketball is typically better, but as far as like full experience, show included, I think Clippers put on a better production. Mm, okay, okay, okay. Um, so for my first pick, I'm gonna go ahead and insert my hometown bias, and my first pick is going to DC because okay, like DC. Number one, we have great food, restaurants, like it's a variety of food if you want obviously you know ethiopian african food jamaican food caribbean food we got a bunch of different restaurants the nightlife is top tier everybody when they come to dc oh trying to hit rose bar or you know opera park at 14 stuff like that so you know we got what you need if you want to have a good time in dc and get some 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 good eats that's gonna be my number one pick um my number two pick I was thinking Brooklyn, but I'm actually going to go with Miami. And that's just because 
if we're if we're including like going out you can't you can't beat Miami and I love a beach I love the palm trees um I am biased because Jimmy Butler is my favorite player but Miami for sure at number two it probably could be number one but we'll give it number two fair fair all right so it it fell in my lap, so I'll take I'll take New York, but I'll, I'll go Knicks. I'll go Knicks because I'm talking cumulative okay. experience. You know, you got the Garden, obviously, as far as in game experience. But then, I feel like off the court, I think like when players come to the Garden, as far as like the outfits that they're wearing, they're trying to put on their best fits. They hit the tunnel walk, and obviously, there's other options to go out as well. You got the coach, you got Spike Lee sitting courtside, a bunch of celebs. So, um, I think that's gonna be my my number two pick. Number two pick. Um, nice choice. But my number three pick is going to be Phoenix, even though I live there. But it's very close with Toronto. Toronto is so much fun, even when it's freezing cold. Like I love Toronto, but Phoenix has never felt like Phoenix is too good. Phoenix is concerning. It's too good of a time. So, um. And it's easier to move around than Miami and stuff. So got to go with Phoenix. Great choice. So I, I've i never been to Phoenix before. And I've heard that so many times that like Phoenix slash like Scottsdale is like the time. Mm-hmm. Of so I yeah. need to make my way out there one way or another because I've heard so many wonderful things out there. And like, you know, I, I've so I, I respect that choice. And I was going to put Toronto as my third, but you kind of already gave them their shout. So I feel like... Number three, number three, number three. I'll go, I'll go Houston. I'll go Houston. I feel okay. like, I feel like obviously, uh, that's strictly off with nightlife, honestly. I feel like everybody, when they, when people go, yeah. to Houston, they're hitting the club and they're going out and stuff like that. But my, my, uh, I think my third choice normally would have been Toronto. So I think we, we agree on that. We agree on that. That's so last question we always ask, um, Shout out to all the smoke. I'll got to send them some love. Who is one person that we should have on the What's in Your Bag podcast? And whoever you say, mm-hmm. you got to get in your point guard bag, you know, and help us give, give us the assist and uh, help us get them on. So this could be somebody, you know, obviously in the media space. This could be a player. It could be somebody who you think just has a dope story that people would, would benefit a lot from hearing. Um, Who do I like? I mean, I, I like everyone, honestly. Um, no, I, I mean, a, definitely a special shout out to um, Pam with WME. I work closely with her now that I work with Grant. Um, she is so good at her job and like, it seems so flawless and she's so happy all the time. And like, it's, you never feel like the stress bubbling over. She again, is somebody that gets stuff done and it's, you're not even worried. Like you can ask her to do something and it will hundred percent get done to the best of its ability. And I think, especially in agencies, it's really easy to give the agents and the vice presidents and CEOs and stuff, all of, all of their flowers, but you know, the people down in player operations and the lower levels, um, can be a perfect example is just someone that that works so hard and makes everyone else's lives around them easier and just better and could not be a nicer human. So she's somebody that I think um, would be fun to listen to. You said her name is Cam. Yes, Cam LePray. So I can send um, 
y'all her her contacts but she's the best perfect perfect yes we definitely appreciate the assist on that for sure um bro i definitely want to say thank you for your time i know you are a super busy gal as we've talked about uh extensively on this podcast so i don't take your time for granted and uh i thank you for coming on here and just kind of sharing your story i've learned a lot just about the different ins and outs of the industry and branding and marketing yourself and kind of how to make it up this you know journalism ladder and so to speak and how to kind of get out of that as well so I definitely want to say thank you for that. Um, thank you for coming on. I know for the guests, for the audience, if you guys have enjoyed this conversation, man, make sure you guys follow Jessica, show her some love. Um, she's doing amazing work. So um, thank you so much for coming on. And I think this was a great conversation. Yeah, no, thank you so much for, you know, for bringing me on and excited to, you know, keep watching as you, you know, go on your journey and, and do all your journalism stuff and, you know, you're in your bag. So it's definitely fun to be a part of this. Thank you. Thank you so much. And uh, shoot, man, I'm gonna keep you in the mind of if, if I ever got to make a, a last minute reservation and request. You know, I'm not I'm not an NBA guy, but, you know, if you could pull some strings, I might, you know, what I'm saying I'll keep that in mind. For um, sure. No doubt, no doubt. All righty, guys, this has been another episode of the What's In Your Bag podcast presented by Bet Online. If you guys are still here watching this podcast, man, go ahead and tap that subscribe button. It goes a long, long way. Jessica obviously dropped a bunch of gems on this episode. So make sure you guys stay tuned for who we're going to have on next week. That's going to be all, folks. Until next time, peace. I've been in my bag for a while, I'm invincible Story of a young boss, grinding shit critical Calling on my bros one time, cause you special I had some hood dreams of right rounds for my mentor Every target that I shoot is on point like a pencil Different route, change relationships, I'm so sorry Came up from the trenches and I made it, I say hardly Thank you for listening to Believe You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show And giving us a 5 star rating on your preferred platform Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.